Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. and say how good it is to see Danielle and baby amen tonight and also Tatum Tatum oh that's such a sweet name Tatum it makes me think of taters a little Tatum bug or you know Tatum glad to have her tonight also glad to have Zach Nykirk amen with us this evening too this feels like a family reunion around here that have passed through these doors at some time just here being with us we're glad that you always think of us whenever you choose to come to church amen thank you that you think of us uh, had you know maybe a small part with uh, some area of your life growing up and so we're thankful that you remember us amen whenever you uh, come to the house of the lord we're grateful for that amen look at your neighbor and say i'm glad to be here this is wednesday night Wednesday night Bible study. Now take a good look tonight because next Wednesday my wife's stealing a bunch of ladies out of here to go to Women's uh, Esprit Conference in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area, Tennessee. And so uh, we want to take advantage of them that are here tonight. So I prepared something special. No, I'm joking. I uh, want to go to the Word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Uh, before the beginning of this year, um, I sat down and, and put on calendar what I felt to do as series on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and one of them which I felt to do this year was a series on the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Then it was toward the end of January, January of this year, that uh, one of the prophetic words that came at because of the times conference which is a conference primarily for ministries in alexandria louisiana one of the prophetic words that came forth among four was to train and allow the church to operate in the gifts that signs and wonders and miracles will follow and so whenever i heard that and had already felt that prior to the beginning of the year i just felt then that much more uh, impressed and uh, ensured that uh, this is where we needed to go at one time this year. And so here we are. Uh, we finished up a series a couple weeks ago. I was out of pocket for a couple of weeks. Uh, and that just kind of just flew by. And here we are. And so I want to start tonight a series on the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to make a deal with you, and I'll read verses 1 through 7 while you're standing, and we'll read verses 8 through 11 while you sit. How about that? Man, I'm a nice guy. I'm telling you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 1, then starting, Apostle Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. I just love how he says that. These, <laughs> these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. 
Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I'll stop there and pray and continue after we're seated, or you're seated, not me. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I pray, oh Lord, that you would help us, God, in the next, Lord Jesus, few minutes here. God, as we look at your word, I pray, God, for spirit revelation, enlightenment, God. Grant us understanding. I pray, God, Lord Jesus, that your word, Lord God, that was spoken in January, God, to those groups of ministers, Lord, for the apostolic church, God, come to pass in this church. I claim it in Jesus' name, God, that as we teach and as we train, God, I pray people and allow, God, them to operate, God, the signs, miracles, and wonders, God, shall follow, Lord, according to the word that was spoken then, Lord, fulfill it, Lord, in this year, in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen, and I say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Before we get too involved, and tonight uh, is really just kind of a introduction into this. We're not going to start going through any of the particular gifts tonight. But before we get too involved here this evening, let's clearly identify one thing that I think that must be said from the onset, and that is this. That the gifts of the Spirit are for the church today. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit are for the church today. They were not a set of gifts that were isolated and quarantined only for the New Testament church of the Scripture. They were not gifts that were just solely for the apostles and only them alone could operate in that or benefit from them but they are for the church today. Now, the difficulty is this. You will come uh, head to head with several in today's society that will try to dismiss that the gifts of the Spirit are for the church today. And they'll try to dismiss that because they will do what many people do, and that is people oftentimes dismiss what they do not understand. They dismiss what they do not understand. And there's other people that may try to excuse them as though being relevant for the church today only because they have not witnessed them in their assembly. And so, you know, if it's not smoke coming out of your stack, then it's not smoke. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but if you believe, as a body of believers here tonight, and I believe we, we, we believe this, if you believe that the Spirit of God exists in the world today, then you should be able to believe that the gifts that are associated with that Spirit or the gifts possessed by that Spirit exist as well in the world today. And so that would be a good common ground for people that don't believe. If they believe in the Spirit, amen, in the world today, God's Spirit active in the world today, then these are the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of that Spirit. So therefore, they likewise must exist as well in the world today. The tremendous thing about the books, I say books, first and second Chronicles, or, or Corinthians rather, is this, is that the, 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 the scope of their audience did not just include the church at Corinth. 
but it included the church at large in their day and throughout the generations that would come. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 2. Now, the Corinthians, it is an epistle. And as with many of the epistles, uh, it will all times addressed in that first chapter who, just like a letter, who they are writing to and who this epistle or letter is coming from. And so we see that in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, the Bible says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, look at this now, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours. We just, we just superseded and extended from the church at Corinth to churches in every place in time and generations from that place forward. Paul then is not just speaking to the Corinthian church, although it's very pertinent for them in that time, but he's speaking to churches through the ages concerning the content that he's about ready to go through in the book of Corinthians. And so this is how, this is how when we read in the book of Corinthians that we see that the same problems that Paul dealt with in the church at Corinth are some of the very same problems that we deal with in our churches today. Because it just wasn't for Corinth. It was for the churches of the ages throughout time. And so we glean wisdom, of course, from the Apostle Paul in how he dealt with the problems in Corinth and how we can deal with those same problems in our churches today. Therefore, whenever we come to the spiritual gifts of chapter 12, I understand then according who his audience was, what he directed to, that wasn't just for the church at Corinth. That was the, for the first apostolic church at 1121 Cedar Street here in Mount Carmel as well. Consider the word of the Lord. Look at verse number 4 of 1 Corinthians 1. The Bible states these words. He says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just pause and think with me for a moment. Whenever he's talking about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's not talking about Jesus' first coming. At the writing of Corinthians here, that has already occurred. That has already happened. He has already showed up in Bethlehem's manger as a babe there in that manger the first time. So Paul's not talking about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as the first coming, but he is speaking about that future coming. And note what Paul says. I don't want the church at Corinth, or for that matter, from verse number 2, or any church in the future to come behind in no gift. That includes those spiritual gifts that he will speak to us about in chapter number 12. He says, I don't want anybody to come behind in any gift from the moment of my writing until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, he don't want us to be slack or come behind in any of those from that age forward. Well, Christ hasn't come back yet. 
So Paul, being inspired of the Holy Ghost, God still doesn't want us to lack or come behind in any of the spiritual gifts that are even mentioned in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians uh, right here in the word of the Lord. And so, again, the gifts were not to seize after the time of the apostles. They were, according to Paul, directed by God, they were to continue. Amen. For that matter, he says there, look at it again in verse number 5, whenever he starts going through this list in all utterance and all knowledge. He said that in everything ye are enriched by him. Because the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, are another way and means whereby the church is enriched or made wealthy and full by God is by the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. I know there's a lot of things that could play into that, but they are among those things that, that we are enriched by the gifts of the Spirit. Now, with that being the case, again, uh, there are many, and I say many today in our society that will attempt to use 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12 as a passage to declare that the gifts are to be done away with or that they have seized or stopped. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, which is notably the great love chapter of 1 Corinthians, it states these words in verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away when I was a child I spake as a child I understood as a child I thought as a child but when I became a man I put away childish things for now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face now I know in part but then shall I know even as also I am known. Many like to capitalize on, on verse number 10 and say, well, it says when that which is perfect has come, then what, that which is in part, which the verse before said we prophesy in part, that which is in part shall be done away. And so they say the perfect has come, and so the prophesying, all of that now has ceased and stopped, and it's done away with. It doesn't happen today. That was for then. But let's consider capitalizing on context here where we are in the scriptures what we have here described to us just in these verses we have this partial picture all right this knowing in part this prophesying in part the view being somewhat clouded seeing through a glass the bible says darkly but it speaks that there is a day that we shall see not through a glass darkly, but we will see face to face. And we will know even as we are known that our understanding will be clear and not clouded. Now, our, in our present condition, where we are right now, our knowledge, of course, is related. If you look at verse number 11, knowledge is related to the time of life, meaning this. That whenever you're a child, you understand things as a child can understand them. All right? You think as a child, you understand as a child, you speak as a child. All right? But whenever we reach an age of maturity, the goal, hopefully you parents are feeling proud, the goal is when they reach maturity and maybe an age of adulthood, 
they under some, understand some things then that they didn't when they were five years old. You think, man, I've, I've done this parenting thing right. They understand this now. Or that their speech is a little bit more polished than what it was at five years old. Or that, 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 that their thinking is a little bit more polished. Meaning this, that when they reach an age of maturity, it changes things of how they think, what they know, how they perceive whenever they reach that place of maturity. Someone say, all right. So likewise, if you go back to verse 10, likewise then when the scripture says, but when that which is perfect is come. Perfect is come. The word perfect, many times in New Testament scriptures, I don't want to paint with such a broad brush, I say always. But I will say most of the time, the word perfect is referring to a, 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 a spot in your life of completion or maturity. In other words, likewise, when that which is perfect has come, or whenever we reach our maturity in God, the part prophecy and the part knowledge will no longer be necessary, will be done away with. Well, Brother McGee, when will I reach maturity in God? Not while we live on this earth. We're every day trying to mature, but we will not reach full maturity until our change comes. From mortal to immortality, from corruptible to incorruptible. What is that? That's the coming of the Lord. And whenever that happens, yes, those things that were done in part will no longer be necessary at that moment in time. But as long as we live upon this world and we're living within these bodies that's called flesh, they are limiting and they are, will always be to a certain degree concerning spiritual things immature. But whenever perfection has come, Whenever the maturity of our lives come in Christ and that change comes, all the gifts will be done away with for them because it won't be necessary. Well, why, Brother McGee? Because the Bible says in 1 John 3 and 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is what are you saying when our change comes we will be like he is what does that mean the knowledge that he has all have i know people don't understand that they say well when i get to heaven someday i'm going to ask god such and such you ain't going to have to ask god anything when you get there you're going to be as he is every question you had the moment the change happens the answer is provided you're going to be as he is. So there's not going to be no need for, for prophecy or, or word of knowledge or word of wisdom or discerning of spirit. There's only one spirit in heaven you're going to have to worry about discerning about. That's the spirit of God. Amen. And so we are on this journey. We shall be like him. We will have his knowledge. We won't have to ask those questions because we will have reached, if you will, that full spiritual maturity when our change comes in the Lord. I won't know in part now. I won't prophesy in part now because, well, full maturity has come. But until then, there'll be prophecies. Until then, there'll be tongues and interpretation. Until then... There'll be gifts of healing and faith and all of these things active until then. In First and Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, as I said, First and Second Corinthians would be a real good series. He is dealing with some problems that were in the church 
at Corinth. And so up to this point in time of chapter 12, he has already dealt with some pretty, pretty heavy stuff. He's already, I mean, he started out of the shoot dealing with divisions and contentions. He dealt with fornication already. He's already dealt with those that have taken their brothers to court. He's already dealt with marital issues. <laughs> He's already dealt with idolatry. He's already dealt with the hair issue of First Corinthians 11. And in the same chapter dealt with abusing the Lord's table issue. And so then when we get to verse number 12, he deals with, and I say this carefully, he deals with the abuse or at least the ignorance of spiritual gifts. I say he dealt with the abuse because whenever you read chapters 12, 13, and 14, a lot of those three chapters concern and are contend with spiritual gifts on some level, that whenever you read through there, what is mentioned most in those chapters are the functioning of the gifts of prophecy and that of tongues or divers' tongues. They are mentioned more than any of the others from 12 to 14. So it's either that these two gifts in particular, these two gifts of the Spirit in particular, were ones that the church at Corinth was preoccupied with, or perhaps it were some of the ones that were mostly abused, or some that they gravitate towards, or perhaps it was these were the two things that were abused, and we'll talk about this here in just a little bit, abused in their pagan society and religion that they had separated, they had now separated themselves from. But nevertheless, Paul wanted to make sure that they were informed about the proper use of the gifts. He says in verse 1 of chapter 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you ignorant. That's the reason why we're doing what we're doing here for the next few weeks. I do not want, I, 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 I'm the apostle Paul of my generation. I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Amen. And the word ignorant there in the Greek basically means this. Not know, not understand, or ignore. I don't want you to not have any knowledge or understanding. And simply, I don't want you just to ignore the spiritual gifts of the word of God. So he wanted the church to know them. He wanted to understand them. He wanted them to acknowledge them and pay attention to the spiritual gifts. Now, as I said, sometimes people ignore things they don't know about or do not understand. People many times are more comfortable to approach something if they have some working knowledge about what it is they're approaching, right? I mean, some of you, you know, for somebody, you say, hey, change, you know, the spark plugs in this vehicle. No problem, because they have a working knowledge. They've done that 10,000 times in their life. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else that has never done that, you know, they almost feel like a, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Where do I kind of approach this? How do I start? They might look something up to try to figure out how to get the job done. All right, but I would dare to say, I dare to say this, that throughout this series, that there may be some people sitting here, right here in this church, that will realize throughout this series that God has used you in one of the gifts of the Spirit without you ever realizing that you were really being used. Well, Brother Mike, 
I've never given a tongues or interpretation. There's, we have hobby horses of, concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Many people only know about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, and a lot of times, sometimes that's it. They even don't even get the, the gifts of healing or faith or miracles or anything. A lot of times we're just, and you know, you know why those things are in the forefront of y'all's minds? Because those are vocal gifts. Gifts that have something to do with utterance. But I would dare to say there's probably some people sitting right here that God has used you at one point in time to, to, to impart a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or even discern a spirit. It happened and you just didn't really realize what God just used you to function in. But I'm praying that throughout this series that the light bulb will come on, that light will shine somewhere in your past. You know what? That's what God was working through me in, in that moment, back when, back so on and so forth. Amen. Because I think it's important that we're not ignorant all right, that we're not ignorant of these things. Amen. So back to this idea of, you know, prophecy and tongues being used a lot, even in the pagan religious world. Point proven is this. Historically, there was a temple in the city of Delphi and a priestess, a priestess, a woman priest, a priestess would come and sit over top of a grate a grate from which there would be smoke and there would be a vapor that would rise up from there as she sat there and she would speak historically this is, is this is told she would speak then in a foreign language or a foreign tongue only then for the priest of the temple of Delphi to come out and to interpret what she said people would gather from even far outreaching places just to come and hear what they would call the oracles of Delphi now What's the big deal? Because if you try to take the setting of what was done in the pagan religious world and society and apply all the same stuff to now what they are experiencing with the true spirit of Christ, you're going to be just a little bit confused. You hear me? Because that sort of thing was the sort of thing that the church at Corinth, those Gentiles, they were Gentiles, that the Gentiles had been exposed to prior to their relationship with God. That's the reason why he speaks to them in verse 2. He said, you all were led to some of these dumb idols. <laughs> Pardon my emphasis. He said, you all led to, to, to these dumb idols, and ye were led and you were carried away why by some of these pagan practices because at times listen to me at times during these pagan utterances of of her speaking this language that was foreign and the priest coming in and interpreting it they with the same breath would blatantly curse the lord jesus christ that's the reason why paul said if it's of the spirit of god and they are cursing jesus christ know that it's not of the spirit of god it's not of the spirit he said, because anybody that can say that Jesus is Lord, that's the Holy Ghost. But if they're cursing Christ Jesus, then what's taking place there is not of God. Amen. It's not of God. I don't, I don't care if it seems to have uh, uh, the, 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 the same seemingly organization about what takes place in the church at Corinth now, about there being a, a, a message that is foreign to the people and interpreted. But you got to understand, we got two different dynamics here. One is cursing the Lord Jesus Christ, and one is upholding it. So therefore, that makes one of God and one that is not. Someone say amen. Amen. So it's important. It's important that we be not ignorant. So I want to start off here 
I've already started, but I want to continue here. <laughs> they say, boy, if you haven't started by 24 minutes in, we are in for a journey. I want to start off with a, a very common misconception about being used in the gifts of the Spirit. And that is this. Some may already know it. And that is this. You must be some, some real spiritual giant to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Misconception. My God, they're used in prophecy. They probably pray 23.99 hours a day. Misconception. Now, there may be some of them that operate in that that do. I don't know. But what I'm saying is it's a misconception to think in order to be used in the gifts of the Spirit that you are some big, all hard-to-put-your-arms-around spiritual giant walking in the high clouds of the Ashkelon of the heavens. Remember, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth that had her share of problems, yet lacked and did not come come, uh, you know, back or, or far from any of the spiritual gifts. Furthermore, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he spoke this to them. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1. This is the church that he's teaching the aspects of spiritual gifts to because he wanted them to be aware of them, more importantly, to function in them. He says to this same church, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you, same church, as into spiritual, <laughs> but as into carnal. Even as in the babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men. Now that's the same church. That's the same church that he's wanting to function in the gifts of the Spirit. And we we'll say amen. And yet he tells them, y'all carnal. You are even babes in Christ. But I don't want you to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts, and I would really desire, and it's God's desire, that you would operate in them. Paul's talking to immature babes in Christ. Are they spiritual giants? Well, according to what I just read, no. No, 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 no. Not spiritual giants. But again, remember, this is important. Very simple, elementary, but important. The gifts of the Spirit, which another way you can, you know, it's like me saying, uh, you know, the house of Paul. I could also state Paul's house, me being possessive of it. The gifts of the Spirit is the Spirit's gifts. So they belong to the Spirit. The Spirit possesses them, not a mortal man. Although someone, an individual may operate in them, they don't belong per se to them. They belong to the Spirit. Don't say amen. They belong to the Spirit. So there, there may be you know, many men and women that may be used in the gifts again, but the gift is not theirs. The Bible says, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. All right? This all comes from God. The gifts belong to the Spirit. Stated a little bit more plainly. The gifts belong to the Spirit that you have received when you received the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what that means then? If you have received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, then if you have, you have the potential 
to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Whoa. Yes. Are you saying some five-week-old babe in Christ could operate in the gifts of the Spirit? Absolutely. They belong to the Spirit that they just received. Yes. Someone say yes. Yes. And so what we must learn to do is that we have to learn to yield our human spirits to his spirit, all right? And I know we do that more readily <laughs> sometimes than we do at other times. You know, other things are, you know, there's, there's times that you're just so whacked out tired. You're good to recognize you're a human being sitting in a church. All right? Just get real. But the word gifts, let's consider this. Verse 1. The word gifts is the word charismata in the Greek. It is the plural of charisma. Charisma, a real world word that we use in our English language today that you all perhaps know. It's related to a word called charis, which is the Greek word that's used to translate grace. So what that means is this. The gifts of the Spirit are as grace is interpreted. It is the free, unmerited, miraculous endowment of God. So that means the gifts of the Spirit are free and unmerited, and they are the endowments of God. Think with me for a moment. By definition, when you consider the definition of a gift, a gift is not purchased or earned usually by the one who's receiving it. All right? Not normally. Matter of fact, it's not supposed to reveal anything about the recipient as much as it is about the giver. The gifts of the Spirit, again, are derived from the Spirit. That Spirit that Paul even said, is this glorious treasure that we have where? In earthen vessels. We don't have anything to boast about, but we have been housed with the Spirit of God that is a glorious treasure, and that Spirit or that gift that God gives, those nine gifts that He gives that's associated with His Spirit, should say a lot about him, the giver, more than it says about the vessel that is being used. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11, look at the word of the Lord, but all these, it's talking about all those, and I didn't go on and read my verses, did I? Eight through, this would be a good place to do it. Verses 8 through 11, the Bible says, I'll just start here because I didn't finish reading those. I let you set off and I just went off into the sunset. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Will you notice something that's being redundant here? To another the work in the miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, which I want to read to you at this point. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing Notice this phrase, dividing to every man severally as he will. This is going to open maybe something up here. Let's notice that after verse 11, that the Apostle Paul starts talking about the body of Christ. 
he, he starts to talk about those comely parts and not as comely parts. Seems like those that are uncomely, that there is more sometimes significance placed upon them even than the comely parts. And he talks about how uh, the body cannot operate or perform without any of the parts, that they're all necessary for the edification of the body, for the glory of the body. And so right after talking about the gifts of the Spirit in the first 11 verses, then Paul talks to the Corinthians about the body of Christ. And again, he tells them how every member has a function and contributes to the body. Now, here's what I want you to note. That phrase in verse 11, dividing to every man severally as he will. That word severally, that word severally, what it means in the Greek is this. It means one's own. Follow me. Let me insert that now. Dividing all these, all these gifts. Work at that one self-same spirit. Dividing to every man one's own as he will. Dividing to every man one's own gift. Are you listening to me? As God would desire or intend or want. Now, what that tells me is this. Every born again, Holy Spirit filled individual has the potential to operate in one, if not more than one of the gifts of the spirit. Verse 11 seems to indicate to me, according to the word of God, that God has at least you hearing me at least endowed us with a a a propensity or a gravitation to one of the gifts of the spirit he has divided it he has divided it to every man severally or to every man one's own as he will oh brother mcgee you're off your rocker no i'm not off my rocker i'm not off my rocker the gifts of the spirit are for the born believe born again believers church Amen. What I'm saying is this, folks, we do not join the body of Christ as a non-functioning member. Even in the area of spiritual gifts. You hearing me? So, Brother McGee, I don't know what it is. That's what we need you to discover in this series. Amen. Let me back up and say this. The reason why some may have not discovered the gift that God has divided unto you is because we get caught up on the Lord using certain people for certain gifts and believe that's the way it always shall be. But that is a misunderstanding. Just because God always used such and such for tongues or that one for interpretation or that one for this does not mean God will always use them in every case for that. Amen. He wants us all to be open to the idea of discovering the gift that or gifts or potential to operate at the time necessary. Amen. Those spiritual gifts that his spirit that lives inside of us owns and possesses. Amen. God is the one who gives them and God is the one that performs the work through the people that are used by them. Someone say amen. But our will plays a major part. 
as in anything concerning the kingdom of God. He does not force you or put himself upon you without your will being in submission to what his will may be. That's just the gentleman that God is. So our will plays a very important part in the matter, in the use of the gifts of the Spirit. Our will plays an important part in the misuse of the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The spirits, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What's that meaning? The prophet has a will. Huh? God wants to use him and speak to him, but he has a will. The will of God is that that prophet would submit his personal will to the will of the Spirit. But he has a will. How do you know it? Well, you wouldn't be able to quench the Spirit of God if you did not have a will that could come into place and do it. If it was just that the Spirit just came over you and came down on you and worked through you and you didn't have no say-so about it, you were just kind of used up and washed up. No, you have a will or it would not say quench not the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, in tongue and groove with that, that's, that's how you know when the spirit says run and you sit. You hear me? It says pray at the midnight hour and you stay in bed and sleep. You understand what I'm saying? Your will does play a factor in spiritual things. In spiritual things. Now, so whenever then we are used, whenever we are used in the gifts of the Spirit, then we're surrendering our will to, to God's Spirit, to His use. But here's something important. God, even in that, still gives us a certain element of control with the gift being used. He does. I may have stated this here before, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but the will of the person or even just the abilities and capabilities of the person come into play. Whenever, For instance, whenever a person gives an interpretation to a message in tongues, God uses the available vocabulary of that individual to express, are you listening to me? to express what he wants to say to the people at their ability level. A more educated person may have words that are maybe more educated words to speak. The very same thing has the exact same meaning, but the word usage might be different according to the intelligence of the individual. What's that doing? That's God working through the ability and the will of the person. Does he get the job done either way? Yes. Because the overall thought and meaning is the same. Is everybody okay? Amen. And so, so when, when we take that into consideration, since God still gives us a certain element of control, Brother Alex, and all of that, then again arises the potential, Brother Mason, of abuse and misuse, which is, again, two reasons why a lot of people want to stray from the, the gifts of the Spirit because, well, bless God, there's too many people that have abused it. Too many people have misused it. You know what? It has happened. I think some of the abuse and misuse has happened because people's been ignorant. Ignorant of how they should operate according to the word of the Lord. All right? Zeal wanting to be used of God, but misguided zeal because there was no teaching. So let me ask you this. 
is it worth it then throwing out the baby with the bathwater in those episodes? Hmm? <laughs> so, from what I gather then, just because it's been abused one place or misused or maybe zeal that was didn't have no guidance in another episode, that shouldn't mean then that we just throw it all away and just, well, bless God, we don't need the gifts of the Spirit operating because, whoo, too volatile. My God, too volatile. I believe the solution is what we're doing here in the next few weeks. The solution is a proper teaching, as Paul did, so that the people would not be ignorant. Let me take it somewhere and maybe, you know, sear the idea a little bit more. And I am not being political here. But there is a lot of abuse and misuse of guns, right? Would you like just to get rid of them all? A lot of people sitting here, and I'm not trying to be political. A lot of people sitting here, absolutely not. What we need is regulations and teaching for them to be in the proper hands and not easily accessed by those who don't, you know. That's what someone would say. Well, that's my approach here with the gifts of the Spirit. Just because there may be abuse over here or misuse or something here over there. What we need then is proper training. What we need is proper training. Look at verses 4 through 7 again. 4 through 7. Look at 4. Said there's a diversity of gifts. We know that. They vary. We know a word of knowledge is not the same as a word of wisdom. There is a difference. They they differ greatly. And verse 5 says there's differences of administrations. When you think of administrations or you think of administering or you think of a minister, there are differences. The people whom God chooses to use them by, and they make themselves available used by, their administration of their gift is going to differ than how my administration would be of that gift. I will, admin, I will administer, let's just take, I will administer the interpretation of tongues in my life a little different than they do. You talk to people. It doesn't always happen the same way. How does the message come to you whenever you know that God is wanting to interpret it? I've heard some people, people that I highly respect in my life, said it's almost like a ticker tape in my, in my mind. It's like scrolling through and I'm seeing the message on it. I hear others say I can just hear it in my ear. I hear it in my spirit, just what's wanting to be said. I know others say I just know the first three words. I start to speak it and as I say it, it's starting to come. What is that? Differences of administration or administering. Then also, then you look at verse number six. It says diversities of operations, how they are used. That kind of goes back then uh, to my, uh, you know, the vocabulary and the language thing, but also how they are used. Oh, it can be so different. And I know sometimes the service says that, but there's been times, you know, some messages in times like boom, boom, boom. And it's like shaking the rafters. There's other times it's just like a common spirit. Speech like I'm talking right here. Is everybody okay? You awake? <laughs> Diversities of operations, how they are used, intensity. There, there could be a variety of, of, of colorings here uh, concerning that. But look at verse number seven. Everybody doing okay? Verse number seven, 1 Corinthians 12, verse number seven. But the manifestation. Or the expression of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's given to every man or each one, every one to profit with all, to profit 
everybody. The manifestation, the expression of the Spirit, whether it be any of the nine, are given to each man, given to each man for the purpose of the whole, for the purpose of the complete body. It's given to an individual for the benefit of all. We're knowledge is given to an individual for the benefit of all. Yes, we are blessed. Thank God whenever the Lord uses us in some measure like that, I don't know about anybody else. Man, I, ju I just feel blessed, sometimes overwhelmed that God would use, you know, little old me, you know, for something like that in that fashion. But the primary purpose is so that the body would be profited more than the individual being used. Amen. The body be profited more than the individual being used. That's the reason why we got to be careful about these so-and-so-and-so ministries. Because the prophet, and I'm not talking about the P-R-O-P-H-E-T, I'm talking about the P-R-O-F-I-T. The prophet should be more so for the body than it is the individual. Matter of fact, you will find in chapter number 14 where it's speaking of uh, a few of these gifts like, like tongues and interpretation and prophecy. When it's speaking of these, many times whenever it is being taught there, it's speaking about its use is for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the building up of the church. And so we, we got we, we to be careful that we don't fall prey into thinking that, watch me now, that certain gifts are better than other gifts. Again, sometimes people place more importance on those vocal gifts, like prophecy and things like that, tongues, just for the fact everybody knows when it's happening and taking place sometimes. It is vocal. There's a keen awareness, you know, that's taking place. Just because that might be happening, someone else may be over here instructed by the word of the Lord, given a word of wisdom to somebody into their ear. Doesn't make one any greater or the other any lesser than the other. Look at this now, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. You're going to say, you just contradicted yourself. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 12, and verse 31, the last verse of chapter 12. Paul admonishes, but covet earnestly the best gifts <laughs> on you pastor mcgee you said not one's better than the other and they just talking about the best but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet shew i unto you a more excellent way paul's admonishing them covet desire want earnestly the best gifts now this verse of scripture is not telling us necessarily that some are better than others per se but listen to me but the best gifts, the best gifts vary which ones are best on what the circumstances are at the time. Follow me right here. The best gifts is the gift that is most appropriate and most needed for the moment. You know what that means? If we've just had tongues, the best gift is an interpretation. It changes with what the need is at the moment, what the circumstance is, is needing at the moment. So, you know, 
whenever whenever there's been tongues, man, I'm I'm not here trying to discern the spirits per se. I'm trying to find out, God, what do you want to say to your church? What do you want to say to your people? So in that moment, that's the reason, folks, there's that holy hush. Of course, there's a certain amount of reverence that comes. There's, there's, there's that goes forth and everybody's quiet. Now, what should be going on is everybody saying, God, if you want to use me for the purpose of interpretation, because I have the Holy Spirit and the gifts belong to spirit, if you want to use me, I'll be I'll surrender my will for your use. That's what should be going on. Rather than, Lord, you help sister so-and-so, and she gives this message yet once again. Just being honest here. <laughs> God, help pastor as he wades through these waters to hear what the saith the word of the Lord. Listen, you didn't receive a different Holy Spirit than I did. Now, how each of us surrender to that spirit. Paul says, though, he's divided severally to each his own. You realize there could be several sitting out here that have the ability to interpret a message in tongues that you might not even utilize yet. I believe that, Bishop. I believe that. Amen. And so... In such moments, we got to desire that gift, the best gift. Amen. Yield myself to God for the moment, for the needed gift. And here's another thing, just kind of out there. Just because God may use you often in a certain gift doesn't mean he'll use you every time that gift is needed. I found out, this is just me personally, okay? I found out that whenever... Bishop was pastor, and I was just associate, that I was used more frequently in interpreting messages than I am now as pastor. And you, you know what? I've come to understand just me personally. I just tell you about me personally. That now that I'm pastor, whenever I'm in service, I'm just being, you know, just sharing with you, I am, my mind is so caught up on what I'm about ready to say from God's word that I have prepared. I'm just, and I'm not saying it right or wrong, but sometimes I find it hard when those things go forth to divert my attention, to listen for what God wants to say in the moment because I'm thinking about what he's wanting to say in the message. I'm just telling you my story. Just telling you my story. So either right or wrong, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying being up here to teach or preach, it distracts me, Brother Terry, from being more sensitive I pray for you, Pastor. Being more sensitive to what needs to be happening in the moment. Whenever, whenever the load was on him for every service, son, it could come, and it was like clear as a bell real quick because my mind wasn't already caught up in anything else. I was just back in Pastor God bless him. Hallelujah. I didn't have any other burden that I was carrying at that time. Amen. Is everybody right? <clears throat> Again, you may operate in something. Here's the thing. You operate in one you never operated in before. I don't care who you are. Let me tell you, monkey's uncle. You are going to be scared out of your wits. You're going to be second-guessing yourself. You'll be wondering, is this God or is this me? If someone does this, then I'll do it, Lord. 
Man throwing the fleece on the ground, getting the water, you know, and all the stuff, you know. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But again, you got to remember at the end of that, yes, there's a certain element of control that we have. But again, it's the Spirit's doing and it's the Spirit's working that accomplishes it through our life. Stand with me and I'll be still here. Been here long enough, huh? Sorry. Amen. That's an introduction. I might give a little bit more in an introduction next week, but we'll start trying to delve into uh, the gifts of the Spirit next week. And so we'll probably start more or less in order of which they come. But we'll divide them into three different categories uh, as, as, as we can see that they may be divided by. Amen. Are you excited? Amen. To learn God's Word, excited to learn this aspect. Knowledge is power in many respects. And I believe the prophecy that was given, that if we'll teach it and allow the people to function, that signs, miracles, and wonders will take place and happen. Amen. They are not just there. They are, uh, in many regards, complementary, but they are there for the use, for that edification, for that building of, of the church. And I'm telling you, there's some times that we need that. We need them to come forth in different means and ways in our personalized life at the church as confirmations, as confirmations. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come to you. I'm thankful, God, for your word. It's forever settled in heaven. I pray, God, that you would settle it in our hearts and minds and spirits. I pray, oh God, that you would open our understanding for the next several weeks, Lord, as we look at the gifts of the Spirit. God, that we would make ourselves readily, readily available, Lord, and submit our will, Lord God, to your will. God, if you choose to use us, we know, God, that you have divided, Lord God, to every man severally of his own. Lord, there are gifts inherent within the souls and the hearts of the believers. They have potential for all, but God, you have divided, Lord, a certain aspect, at least one, Lord, to every individual in here. Help them, Lord, to discover that. Help them, Lord Jesus, to unearth that, Lord, and function in that capacity for the benefit of the body of Christ. I pray, oh, Lord, God, bless your people this week. Give them the strength that they need, God, for the things that they are yet to face in this week. And will not fail to thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.